So today we're continuing in a series that we started last week. And I want to start off today with an email that we got at 417 this morning. Email at 417 this morning. And it was from a woman who has been watching us online. And I want to read to you what she shared. She said, I am shy, and I just want to feel like I belong. I haven't really been reading my Bible or listening to sermons the whole month of August. I'm just starting my walk as of July. I feel ashamed that I disconnected so quickly, and I'm falling back to my old behaviors. Since I'm weak in spirit, so my flesh has been leading my reactions. We're doing a series called Till the Walls Fall Down. And one of the things that this email, the reason why I shared it, she's probably watching. She, she accepted Jesus online, guys. I mean, like, she's pursuing Jesus, but she's struggling. And, you know, the thing is that none of us are exempt from walls. None of us are exempt from struggles, right? Maybe your struggle isn't your newfound relationship with Jesus. Maybe it is. Maybe your struggle is the loss of a loved one. Maybe your struggle is that you carry lots of responsibility. Maybe your struggle is that you're a parent, that you're a husband, that you're a wife. Maybe, maybe your struggle is that you're a young man, you're a young woman dealing with the pressures of school and home and friends and, and, and the idea of a future that seems so distant while still trying to figure out the present. Maybe your struggle is that you're a business owner trying to figure out how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Right? Maybe it's that you're trying to figure out how you're going to cover payroll this week or you're going to cover overhead. Maybe your struggle is this thing called life. You're living life and sometimes it just feels exhausting. It feels like you're in just one never-ending challenge. And our current series, Till the Walls Fall Down, is all about that. It's about breakthrough. It's about breaking through walls that limit us from progress, that blind us from the good things that God has ahead for us. It's about uh, overcoming the walls that overwhelm us because they just seem so imposing in size. It's about breaking through walls that restrict us from breaking free. Breaking through walls that constrict us, that keep us trapped in this idea that we can't step into new beginnings, that we can't make another move because we're stuck. This series... It's all about a study on a historical moment that actually took place at a city called Jericho. It was an encounter with God and his people and a breakthrough moment. Unless you go, oh, that's just a Bible story. Do your research. There are some people that try to dissuade us from the idea that Jericho existed. But there is sufficient scientific archaeological proof. That Jericho not only existed, but it matches what the Bible says. What they found is that the biblical record says that the walls from, out, from the outside of Jericho collapsed. And then they went straight in. And what it denotes in the original language is that they climbed a second wall. They were able to scale a second wall. But what they find, what they've proven in science is that it matches the biblical record in that the, the second walls were burnt. 
And what they found is that it matches the scripture in that God told the people of Israel, do not take not one single head of grain. Don't take any grain. Don't take any animals. Leave everything there. Destroy everything and leave anything of value there. Do you know what they found in Jericho when they discovered it? They found seeds and grain in abundance in jars that preserved them. They found riches and things of great value. In other words, science proves that this battle took place and it matches the scriptural record. And these walls, they fell down. We're going to be looking at this through the, through, from different angles the entire series. But you see, this was the first battle on their way to a great victory. And what was so miraculous and so great about this battle in the eyes of the people of Israel, in the eyes of the nations around them, is that the walls of Jericho collapsed upon themselves. But you see, this historical record of Jericho was not just for their purpose. It wasn't just their victory. It's ours because it carries seeds of truth. It gives us strategy on how to see breakthrough in our lives as we walk with God. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely interested in breakthroughs. Come on and give God some praise, man. That's you. And so the first stop on a journey to a land of promise was this city called Jericho. And it was a walled city. We have an image that I want you to just kind of check out. Uh, I'll kind of get this out the way too and I'll kind of point to it. You can look at any one of the screens. But Jericho was a large city according to those days standards. It sat on about nine plus acres of land and it had two walls. The walls that you hear that collapsed were the outer walls. And the outer walls, as you'll see, were about 23 feet in height. But then there was, in, there, was a, there was enough land that scaled up and the people of Israel were able to overcome the second wall. The second wall was 30 feet in height from the, outer, from, from the outside. But if you look at it in totality, if you were standing at the bottom of this wall as you're approaching it, it actually appeared a lot taller because from the ground to the top, it was about 42 feet in height. That's larger than prison walls today. Prison walls, I believe, average about 20 feet is what I saw online, or, or maybe more. My point being is that this is what the people of, Jer of Israel were facing. These were the walls that they were coming up against. And what is very interesting as well is that the scripture records that when Israel was approaching these walls, it was during the time of harvest. Joshua 3.15 ascertains that for us. What that means is that the people of Israel, these strong people from within these walls, had sufficient grain to outlast any siege that would come against them. They could stay within their walls. Now these people of Israel came and as they faced these walls, it would appear that they had a problem. Go ahead and tell somebody, there's a problem. Tell somebody else, there's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem, right? This is a problem. Because these walls were impenetrable. And these people had enough supplies to last out a siege. They could sit pretty behind their walls. So it would appear 
that there was a problem because of these walls. It would appear that there was a problem because of the people within these walls, which we'll hear about a little bit more in a second, who were strong people. It would appear that there is a great problem, and there was, but the problem wasn't on the inside of the walls. The problem was on the outside of the walls. Today, I want to talk to you from the heart of God. I want you to consider what the scriptures say, the truth that the scriptures say, not what I have to say, just the truth. As we talk on the topic, what's the problem? What's the problem? Go ahead and turn to somebody and ask them, what's the problem? Ask somebody else, what's the problem? Hey, for you online, what's the problem? We've got to start thinking about what's the problem here? And I want us to look to the scriptures for an answer. Joshua chapter 6, starting at verse 1, says, Now the gates of Jericho were, so, what, were what? Securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into whose hands? Your hands. Somebody say my hands. Yeah, your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. And have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. The number seven in uh, Jewish culture signifies completion, perfection. In other words, it's done, right? And so march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear the sound, them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. I, we're not knocking many walls down with that shout, guys. That's, that's not going to knock no walls down, but, but good try. I applaud that, right? You got an E for effort, right? Right? So when you hear the sound of the long blast and the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city, the, the wall of the city wall collapsed, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Somebody say, What's the problem? The problem facing Israel was not within the walls of Jericho, friends. The problem was not the stockpile of food preparations that the people within the walls had provided for themselves to outlive a a siege that would come against them. The problem was not the history of victory that Jericho maintained because of its impenetrable walls. The problem was on the outside of the walls. Let me read it to you again. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, says this. We need to go back to verse 1, guys. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of who? The Israelites. Who was the problem, guys? Go ahead and tell somebody, you're a problem. Tell somebody else, you're a problem. Hey, for you online, you're a problem. Now some of you, you, you're doing this with a condemning spirit. You're using this as justification to tell somebody that they're a problem. That's not what we're getting at. Friends, you have to understand something. You and I must understand something. When the Bible tells us that the city gates were securely barred in the original language, here's what it denotes. It's saying that it was as if these people trapped themselves in prison walls. In other words, they were so afraid... That they said, secure the city gates 
Tightly do whatever we got to do to keep them people out. Because if they get in, they're running with God. You see, friend, when you're facing problems, what you and I often forget is that we're the problem to the problems we face. Got to tell somebody else you're a problem. Yeah, you're a problem. You're a problem. Let me certify that for you in Scripture. Romans 8, 31 puts it this way. What then shall we say in response to these things? What's our response to these things? What's our response to the promises of God? What's our response to the word of God? What's our response to the resurrection of Christ? What's What's our response to what he's done in our life? What's our response to what he's doing in our life? What's our response to what he promises for our life? What's our response? And it says this, if God is what? For us. Somebody say for me. Tell somebody else for you. If God is for us, say this with me. Who can be against us? The next time you even think you have problems, remember that you're a problem to any problem that rises against you because God is for you. He's for you. Yeah, God is for you. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does this teach us, friends? What does this teach us? Let me tell you the first thing it teaches us. You're a problem because you have the solution. You are a problem because you are a carrier of the solution. You contain water wall, head to toe. From deep within, you are sealed with the Spirit of God. You are anointed and appointed. You are fully equipped. See, oftentimes the reason problems feel like walls is because we neglect the reality of the solution we carry within. So the next time you start obsessing and panicking when problems arise and opposition comes against you, remember that behind every wall of opposition, every enemy that comes towards you, remember that deep within those walls, deep within the heart of those enemies, deep within every plot and ploy of the enemy is an inward fear because the God within you cannot be overtaken. Oftentimes, the reason why we cower problems is because we dismiss God in the midst of it. There was a moment where the prophet Elisha found himself surrounded by enemies. I'll give you a quick backdrop to to, to, to the situation, right? Elisha was getting revelations from the Lord. What was happening is that there was an enemy king and his armies that were encamping against Israel, and they wanted to destroy him. And so this king would gather with his council in secret, and they would devise all these plans. And while that was happening, the Lord would whisper to Elisha and tell him, here's what's going to happen. Here's how they're going to come at you. Go tell the king. So Elisha would go to the king, and after a few times that this happened, and the the, the enemy's plots were were, uh, 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 
uh, interrupted, right? They were brought to nothing. Uh, the king turns to his council and he says, there's a traitor among us. Somebody is going to the king of Israel and telling him our plans. There's someone amongst us in our ranks. And one of them rises up and says, oh, king, no, they, they have Elisha the prophet. And Elisha the prophet, he hears from God what you whisper in secret. And he goes and he tells the king of Israel, and so every time we show up, that's why we're getting our butts whooped. And so this army is encamped all around them. Imagine hundreds of thousands of warriors seething, beating their shields, ready for war. They came to rip him to shreds. And this Elisha's servant steps out and he goes, Elisha, the sky is falling. We're done for. It's over. We're surrounded. And Elisha, the Bible says in 2 Kings 6, prays this. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Friend, when you think you're surrounded, just remember that you're surrounded with your shield and buckler. That you walk under the shadow of the Almighty. That God is with you and no matter what comes against you, it cannot prevail because God is for you. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that this morning. Almost two years ago, I found myself with a problem. Had a problem. I ended up in the hospital at 46 years old, unable to breathe. And it was pretty bad. To make matters worse, it was in the height of COVID. And so they treated me like I had the plague. So I'm in this hospital, right? And I am struggling to breathe, and for seven days, I found myself at times anxious, saying, well, God, how did this happen? Because Psalm 91 says that no plague shall come nigh my household. Amen. How is this possible? Well, I, this isn't part of my message, but I'll just tell you that sometimes we participate with the enemy. Because I was not taking care of my health. I was not taking care of my weight. I was not eating correctly, and my sugar levels were through the roof. My, the enzyme levels in my liver were all out of whack. I did not know this. I found this out after the fact, after they took all my vitals. So I participated with this process, but what I did was I opened the door to the enemy. And, you know, you give the door to the enemy, you give him a foothold, and he'll get in. You allow him just to stick his foot in your business, in your life. And, and he's going he's, he's to get in. So that's what happened. Anyway, after seven days, I get out of the hospital. I was weak, but you know what? Uh, God saw me through. You know, I, I know with full certainty what the scripture says. I believe it. I've experienced it. That the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, right? That's the only reason why I'm here because of Jesus and his faithfulness and the abundant life that he's giving you and me. So I get out of the hospital. And I'm thinking, okay, the worst is over. And then all of a sudden, about two weeks later, we get a bill in the mail. 
And the bill was for $97,000. I said, how is this possible? We have insurance. Well, the problem is we pay for our own insurance, and they got their wires crossed. And so when the new insurance that we were now taking on was supposed to kick in on the day that the other one ended, it didn't. So there was a lapse of a week, and it just so happened in that week, I was in the hospital. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a little anxious. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little concerned, and I'm saying, Lord, how, you know, what are we going to do here, and how is this possible? And I'm talking to my wife, and my wife says, well, call him. Give him a call. And, 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 and I'm like, Lord, how am I supposed to proceed with this? You know, what am I supposed to do here? And all of a sudden, I'm reading the scripture one day, and Proverbs 6, I believe it's verse 31, jumps at me. It just comes alive. And it's talking about how when an enemy steals from you, he has to pay you back sevenfold. And so I read that and I'm like, wait, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You couldn't do that. You tried to do that. You tried to take something from me. So now you got to pay me back. I said, Lord, this is what your word is saying to me. I believe this with all my heart, Lord, not because I'm pulling scripture from the air, but because I trust what your word says, and I, I know you're giving me a revelation here. I said, Lord, the accuser, I'm accusing him now because he's got to pay me back. So I get on the phone, I call these people, long story short, I tell them, listen, we have a mistake here. She says, well, your insurance is inactive. Well, as you heard, we figured that out. It had laughs. And I said, well, what can we do? And she says, we do have a program, but you would have to submit your financials. And so why don't you go ahead and do that? I did that. And then they told me, uh, you, you don't qualify. And I said, okay, so what, what's next? What are we doing? She says, let's put it in anyway. Somebody say, thank God for favor. Yeah. So we put the application in, right? I give them everything. And they put it in. Two weeks later, I get an email. And I get a notification on this um, system that they have called My Portal, right? And I, so I get a notification, and I happen to look at it. It's late at night, and I open it, and I see the breakdown of the bill. And, you know, it shows 97000 and all that. But then at the bottom, it says, balance due. And you know what the balance said? Paid. Don't tell me that we don't carry the solution. Listen to me. I, I'm not that smart on my own. But I'll tell you this. We can trust God. We carry the solution. Come on and give God some glory. Tell somebody, you're a problem. Yeah, you're a problem. Let me tell you what else you are. You are a problem waiting to happen. You're a problem waiting to happen. Tell somebody you're a problem waiting to happen. Tell somebody else I'm a problem waiting to happen. The walls of Jericho were much like the problems we face in life. I'll tell you what I mean. They were a disruption on the journey to the promise that God had given them. They were a hurdle in the way. They posed a problem. They were a disruption. But you see, while these walls posed a problem, the people of Israel, as we already saw, were a greater problem. The thing is, some of them didn't know it. 
See, just like them, you are wall to wall filled with the Holy Ghost. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, right? You are anointed, you are appointed, you are called. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. The greater one lives within you. So why do I share that with you? Because while we face problems, what we fail to realize sometimes is that we are a disruption to the problems that come against us. You're a disruption. When Israel began their, their conquest of all the enemies that they would face on, en route to taking possessions of the land, you got to understand that God wasn't just leading them to take over lands. God was making a statement. And the nations knew God is on the move. And God is with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, in the walls of Jericho were people from a land called Canaan. Numbers 13 certifies for us that when 12 spies went to view the land and bring back a report, that 10 of them said, the people within those walls, they are giants. They're so big and so strong, so strong and so big that we look like grasshoppers in comparison to them. And so Jericho was home to the people of Canaan, and these were a wicked people, an idolatrous people, a vile and violent people, and God wanted to disrupt the darkness in these lands. God wanted to make a statement that wherever there's darkness, yeah, there's an opportunity for light to work. Yeah, God wanted to go take, take his people to a place of oppression and break strongholds and break down walls and show himself strong. And the reason why I share that with you is because that remains true to this very day. See, to the world, to political systems, to the way people far from God and people who are anti-Christ think and what they believe, you're a problem. You're a disruption. Because you defy the wrong that this world calls right. You bring light to what they call light, which is darkness. And unfortunately, here's the truth. For some of us, we struggle with that. We hide. Yeah. We're on the outside looking at walls that are meant to fall, but we're living as if we're on the inside of those walls. We dare not pray in public. We dare not speak truth to power, which is no power at all. We dare not stand for what is right. We dare not share this gospel. We dare not be a light. And hey, if the shoe fits today, please don't wear it. It's time to change it. And we do that under the guise of many excuses. We tell ourselves things like, well, I don't want to be offensive to anyone. We see people hurting in sickness and we see people with a lack of hope and, and in need of godly wisdom and of this gospel and of this truth that has saved us and set us free and changed our life and is doing a great work in us. But we dare not be bold. We dare not stand in our faith. We dare not stand for what is right and holy and true. We dare not speak truth. And I would say to you this, according to the scriptural reference that we are looking at, tear the walls down. 
I mean, like, really, like, okay, well, I'm here, and God is for me. It's time to tear some walls down. Yeah, it's time, it's time to bring some renovation to communities. It's time to stand for our homes. It's time to stand for the gospel and what's true and right. It's time to be a light in the midst of darkness. It's time to disrupt the plots and the plans and the ploys of the enemy that he tries to bring against you. Lest you think I'm just pumping you up. Let me give you some scriptural reference for this. The Apostle Paul has just left a place called Thessalonica, and they, are going, they, they tried to kill him, right? They had a plan. Forty men took a vow, and they said, we're going to kill this guy because he dares to speak against the law and Moses and, and our practices as, as religious observers of the Jewish heritage and traditions that we have. And so they get Paul out of there, and Paul ends up in a place called Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, Paul... Is uh, they identify him. These some men that were from Thessalonica came there and they saw Paul and they they start riling up the crowd and they go, "This guy, this, yeah, this guy right here, he's a troublemaker. This guy's a problem. This guy is stirring up Jewish people all over. He's stirring up everything all around wherever he goes and he's declaring things that are foreign to us. He's from a sect. He's 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 from a a, a cult and he's declaring all these things that are offensive to what we believe." And what we say is true and how it's always been. And so Paul gets jumped by this crowd. Him and Barnabas, they get beaten and they, they, they're trying to kill them. And the Roman guards come and they pull them out of it. And Paul ends up in a trial before the governor, a man named Felix. And this is the accusation that they brought against him in Acts 24 verse 5. It says, we have found this man to be a, say that with me, troublemaker. Oh, he's a troublemaker. Stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene, of the Nazarene sect. Leave that scripture up for us, please. Troublemaker. They accused him of being a man that wherever he went, he unsettled the foundation of the lies of the enemy. They accused him of being one that wherever he went, yeah, it just rubbed people the wrong way because the truth was setting some free. But for others, it was going against what they wanted, what they desired, what they believed. He began to unsettle where there were heavenly hosts working in dark places, bringing about confusion, tearing up communities. And Paul shows up and they accuse him of being a troublemaker. I wonder if there are any troublemakers in the house today. I wonder if there are any people in this house online hearing this message that dare to unsettle the foundations that try to stand tall against us, but God is for you. I wonder if you and I would dare to just take steps towards breakthrough that brings light. It's time that you stop settling for what the enemy brings your way. Your faith in Jesus is a problem. But it's not your problem. Oh, it is a problem to the enemy. It is a problem 
to broken communities. It is, it is a problem where darkness reigns. It is a problem where crime tries to infest. It is a problem where the enemy tries to raise up against the name of Christ. I'm telling you, go ahead and tell somebody, you're a troublemaker. Tell somebody else, hey, troublemaker. For you online, hey, troublemaker. Let me show you from Scripture what the trouble is. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says this. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death. To the other an aroma, listen, that brings life. Come on, go ahead and stir some trouble up. Because that trouble brings life to dead places. Don't you worry about what they say, what they think, how you're viewed. No, you, you stir some trouble. Amen? The last point I want to leave you with here today is that your walls cannot fall as long as you face them alone. Let me say this again. Your walls in life cannot fall as long as you face them alone. I want you to hear where I'm coming from with this. One of the most powerful lessons that the walls that fell at Jericho teach us arises from the fact that while the people of Israel were great in number, the greatness to what happened that day was not in their numbers. It was that they were walking with God. Somebody needs to hear this today. You've forgotten who's walking with you. The reason why you feel stuck, the reason why you lack joy, the reason why you live from crisis to crisis, The reason why following Jesus feels like a weight to you, a burden, a struggle. The reason why you give up so quickly is because you're looking at walls and you're forgetting that you serve a God who says they're all coming down. And you know what happens when we forget the God who is with us? Instead of seeing walls fall, we exaggerate them. In, in essence, we build walls. We build walls, not just in front of us, but all around us. And let me tell you something. Elisha's servant did the same thing. He said, the enemy around us is too great. We're done for. Friend, it might look like you're surrounded. But don't you ever forget that God surrounds you as your shield. Somebody in this house online, you've been giving too much credit to the devil. You've been exaggerating his size and his power. You've been exaggerating 
his authority in your life, over your life. And I want to remind you of a scripture that I've taught on here before. But it is so essential for you to leave with the right perspective of what's possible when you stop facing walls alone. Isaiah 14 verses 16 and 17 says this. He says, those who see you will gaze at you. This is a prophecy concerning the enemy, Satan. Those who see you will gaze at you. And they will consider you. And here's what they're going to say. Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Is this the one who shook kingdoms? Is this the one that we thought was causing trouble? Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of prisoners? What I want you to consider is that the scripture is giving us an accurate depiction of the enemy that comes against us. And here's what the scripture reveals. It might feel like you're shaking, but friends, the only reason why it feels like things are shaking is because he's shaking in his boots before you. Listen closely. This pipsqueak punk that we think is so powerful. <laughs> He's nothing before you. Why? Come on, say this with me. Because God is for me. Who can be against me? Come on and give God some praise this morning. Would you rise to your feet? As a people declared as more than conquerors. Would you dare extend your hand to heaven? And raise your hand in victory as a champion, knowing that God is for you and Satan cannot stand against you. Come on and begin to give God some praise because you're still standing, because you're still going, because you cannot be stopped. Because no devil, no demon, no plot, no enemy, no ploy of people has power against the God that you serve. Come on and give God some praise. Give him a shout this morning. Father, I believe we have a problem. It's a good problem, Lord. Lord, when we, your people, get a revelation of the power of God towards us and the God that lives within us, Lord, demons tremble. The mountains melt like wax before you, Lord. And so, Lord, today we leave here with an understanding of our authority. It's not by our strength. It's not by our might. But it is by our confidence in you. And today, Lord, I pray that as we leave this house, whether here or online, that we would understand that what your word says is true. Greater is he within me than he that is in the world. May your, weep, may your people walk in confidence. Embrace their authority. And begin to declare what your word says. May we daily 
walk with the revelation that the devil is no enemy at all because he has no power anymore. We disarm him of his lie that he has authority over us. We disarm him of his lie that says that we're not good enough in God's sight. We disarm him of his lies that tell us that we cannot. We disarm him of his lies that tell us that we are still broken, that we're still struggling, that we still can't. Father, we declare this day what your word says, Lord, that we have been raised to new life, that we have been set high upon a high rock, that we walk with God, and because you are with us, nothing can stand against us. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.